Join me every month for the inspiration to find your finish line. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Find Your Finish Line, presented by Curad, the official medical supplier of Iron Man, kinesiology tape, there it is, the best you can get, and Activice, Activice, the official topical pain relief partner of Iron Man. I love the roll-on. You can find the products on ironman.com, at Walmart, and on amazon.com. First off, I'd like to thank you all for submitting your auction bids for my rally towel. That rally towel has been with me a long time, and and uh, I decided to auction it off for all proceeds going to the Iron Man Foundation. And uh, a gentleman in Florida got it, and I appreciate all the money you've donated to the Iron Man Foundation through getting my rally towel. So thank you very much for that, everybody. It's all about giving back, that's for sure. Well, this episode, I'm very excited about this episode. The guest and I, Mike Trees, have been going back and forth trying to get, get on the podcast, schedules and, and traveling and all that good stuff. But this episode is about running. Mike's a professional athlete. He was a pro athlete for about 20-plus years, seven-time Masters world champion in running 10,000 meters. He's one of the top running and triathlon coaches in the world today. Hello, Mike. How you doing, buddy? Oh, Oh, doing great. Thanks. Thanks very much. And thanks very much for having me on the podcast. Uh, and thanks for being with us for so many years through the sport. It's great to actually chat to you in more detail. <laughs> uh, no worries. I, uh, I'm happy to have you on. And, and I always ask my guests to right up straight because you're right now across the pond. And uh, I always ask them straight up. Did you get a workout in today, Mike? I, I've, my, <laughs> I've got a coffee here. It's uh, <laughs> It's six o'clock in the morning. I woke up at 5.30. Normally it would have been yes, uh, but today, no. Uh, This is the first thing I'm doing. So uh, yes, but uh, I'm a morning guy and I love to train first thing in the morning when I wake up, but not today. Well, you were born and raised uh, in the UK. You're now living full time in Auckland. Where are you at right now? So I'm actually in Queenstown, possibly the most beautiful place in the yeah. world. A few people might argue with that. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I agree. As a matter of fact, when we did a yeah. trip down from Ironman New Zealand to Queenstown, I, I just didn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. It's oh, absolutely stunning. Uh, and the weather is awesome at the moment. Uh, so it, it, it reminds me very much of Colorado uh, and Boulder when I used to spend time out there. It, it's sunny. It's cool in the morning. Perfect for training. I mean, it's, it's idyllic. Uh, I just wonder why it took me so long to move to this country. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, at Ironman New Zealand, which I just got back from, my older brother went with me, and he's been all over the world, but he's never been to New Zealand. We're having lunch one day, and he goes, you know what? I can move here. I mean, that's, and, and I had that same feeling, obviously, with family connections and all that good stuff. I couldn't do it, but there's a place I could go. So we just did a great New Zealand bit for the Chamber of Commerce out of New Zealand to have some Americans and, and t- world travelers get down there because you will, you will be enamored. Well, as I said, running, 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 that's what this is all about. Before we jump into all of that, Mike, yeah, tell us a little bit about your background and, and as an athlete and a coach. Whoa, it's, uh, that, that, that could fill a podcast. I'm getting on these <laughs> days. But uh, I started running at the age of nine. Uh, and 
I, I came from an era where, you know, there's co over at Steve Cram. Uh, I'm from a part of the northeast of England where the running level was very high. In fact, at university, uh, I, I famously say I was the, the fifth fastest runner in my geography class. Uh, but <laughs> it just just happened that we had, you know, international runners uh, all, all around us. Uh, and so I didn't think I was very good, but I was very lucky one day uh, to turn up to the, uh, the British University uh, track championships uh, and I won the, the 1500 metres. Uh, basically because I, th- I felt the faster guys were overseas and elsewhere. But this title, it, it gave me uh, some kudos. It-, it allowed me to travel around the world and ultimately got me some sponsorship in Japan to run in Japan. Uh, and uh, then when I was running in Japan, I managed to get you know under 30 minutes. I got down to 28.50 for 10,000 on the roads. Uh, so I was a solid runner, never really a, a top-class runner, but I was coaching at this time as well at university while I was doing this running. Uh, and then I went back to England after Japan uh, and studied Japanese. Uh, and, and that was, after studying Japanese, that was a, a sports scholarship I did that. I got into triathlon at that period. I was very lucky to win the British Duathlon Championships, the national, the inaugural Duathlon Championships. And then took those two titles back to Japan and got sponsorship uh, and stayed there for ooh, maybe 20 years uh, running and, and doing triathlon. Uh, and I coached their national athletes over there, uh, elite and Olympic athletes, as well as age groupers uh, and beyond. Uh, and uh, and uh, during that time, I was lucky enough to notch up, I think I lose track now, I'm getting on, nine national titles from uh, Olympic distance triathlon champion, long distance champion, uh, to duathlon titles. Uh, and... And so, yeah, so never really made it as a top-grade athlete. I was famously called by, by some of the guys a cherry picker, which I, I loved because, yeah, I was a, what I like to think when I was racing was I was an international cherry picker. I'd go to races where I could have an impact, where I could win, and then once in a while I'd go to the World Championships and get my butt kicked uh, and see really where I fitted in the world scheme. But along the way, I, I learned a lot. I studied sports science uh, and and a very potted history. That's how I got, got to where I am now. I I uh, retired. I did a little bit of sports business uh, distribution of sportswear, but really training and coaching would be my passion. Uh, and, and that's what I got into when I, I sold our business. And the last uh, seven years, I've been full time again back into coaching. Initially, I coached Olympic level elite athletes. Now I, I focus on age groupers and, and beginners and novice runners. I'm realizing the huge health market. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I want to get as many athletes into the sport as I can and get the word out uh, on as many platforms as I can uh, and how to, how to run and enjoy your running and get fitter and healthier because that's what it's all about. And so that's in a very well, potted history of where I am. Well, Mike, uh, you know, it's interesting. I've talked to a lot of people <clears throat> and talked to a lot of athletes that weren't, as you say, that world-class. Hey, you run 28 minutes, you're world-class to me. Let me tell you that right now, okay, for the 10K. But uh, a lot of athletes that weren't, you know, world champions, but they were always in the mix or they were always competing. Why is it that I see a lot of those types of athletes become the better coaches in the world? What do you think that is? It's a very good question. Uh, and I want, before I answer that directly, I, I coached, uh, for example, uh, Hirokatsu Tayama. He was a four-time Olympian in Japan. I coached professional athletes. And I came back to England thinking I was a good coach. And I coached the guy and I said, this is what I'd like you to do. Uh, and he looked at me and he said, uh, I have a job. <laughs> get real. Get re-. And I said, wow, yeah, I, I don't know how to coach real people in the real world. Uh, uh, but 
what I did do when I eventually got my head around it was uh, I, I became better. And, and I think I have more, or not me, but we have to have more of an understanding that we never quite made the top. We know the problems. We, I'm not the world's greatest swimmer. It, I think that helps me become a better swim coach because I'm working on my form uh, and constantly working how to uh, improve it. I, I remember asking an Olympic swimmer to help me swim and he literally, he famously said to me, he said, well, you just turn your shoulders over, don't you? Turn the shoulders, catch the water and push it out the back. And he, he wasn't a good coach because it came so naturally to him. And I think because it doesn't come as naturally to uh, us, we've worked a lot, we, we study more uh, and mm -hmm. try harder. I think that's the, the premise of it. Uh, I mean, I might be wrong, but I, I, from my point of view, that's where I sit, that I've studied harder to try and get there. I never quite made it at the top, but so I had to work harder, and, and I want to pass on that knowledge that I've picked up along the way. You know, Mike, uh, and I, I'll ask this as a general question because uh, I, you know, running is my background. It always has been, and it's, it's the basis for almost everything out there, especially in swim, bike, run. But how do you think the sport of running is doing today? Do you think it... You think running kind of basically saved so many people during the pandemic? Is it that type of thing, or how, how do you think running's doing? I, I think at the entry level, running is doing phenomenally well. I uh, been doing some work in Indonesia uh, just before the pandemic, uh, and twenty years ago, that people talk, it, it didn't exist as a sport. Uh, nobody ran. Now in Indonesia, there are runners everywhere. Uh, a big proportion of, of my followers are from Indonesia. They're hungry for knowledge and they're really keen to learn how to run. Uh, it, it's a boom that we had, I think the first boom that, that Nike created really back in the 70s, the, the running boom. Uh, and at the entry level, it, it's doing well. Uh, at the top level, uh, the, the super shoes, as they're called now, uh, has taken these new records uh, and got a new interest in the sport. Uh, and I think people like to see records being broken. So it's exciting at the top end of the sport. Uh, and that pulls people in at the bottom end. And of course, as you and I know, there's no real relationship between the, the elite runners uh, and the fun runners that come in. They're, they're totally different animals, beasts, and ha have total different abilities uh, and time to train. But it, it's nice uh, to have that spectrum where the marathon running is popular and people are aspiring to marathon running. But I think I, 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 what my job is when I talk about running, I'm just getting off the subject a little bit, is I try and pe get people not to focus on the distance. I mean, Ironman, is, again, it comes back to that people want to do the Ironman. I, when they do triathlons, I say, well, let's focus on doing short distance correctly. Let's focus on doing 5Ks and 10Ks correctly. Enjoy them, build up the base before you move on the distance. Uh, and and when I say that my favorite distance is 5K, it surprises people because they say, oh, I thought you'd be doing marathons. And I say, well, no, 5K is my favorite distance. Some people it's marathons, but don't be embarrassed that your distance that you like is short. You may enjoy shorter distance more than long distances. I think marathon... Uh, has become proportionally, uh, it's, it's put on a pedestal. People think that they've just got to go longer and further all the time. Uh, and the same with Ironman. It, it's a great thing to aim at, but I don't think it has to be the goal of all runners uh, to, to go as far as they can. It, it's just to enjoy their running. And it might be that they enjoy running shorter distances. But the sport's doing well, really well. You know, Mike, I, I'm so glad to hear you say that. I mean, I'm going back to the, to the 80s when... Uh, uh, I and a lot of my friends were running a lot and the hardest and I ran, you know, a bunch of marathons and the whole deal and 10 Ks. But the 5K was always my litmus test. The 5K, I seemed to work harder, have more mental strain. 
oxygen debt. I, I don't know. That 5K was such a character builder, you know, for people that wanted to move on. And, and I had pain in marathons and pain in half marathons. But for some reason, that 5K w seemed to be that distance to test you more than anything else. Wh why was that? Why is that? Well, well interestingly, when, when we run long distances such as the marathon, you're probably 99% aerobic. Uh, and it's, it's getting the muscles to work over a long time uh, and, and get that muscular endurance. The, the 5K, at our level, if you train correctly, you're probably about 75% aerobic, uh, which is using your, your, the, the oxygen that you take in uh, to fire the muscles, but about 25% anaerobic. So this oxygen debt, which the muscles have to work without oxygen being created. And if you go too fast too soon, this oxygen debt blocks the aerobic pathways and it hurts. Y your legs turn to jelly and you're going nowhere. You push harder and harder and get slower and slower. So you've got to work out the balance and you've got to train both systems, the aerobic aerobic anaerobic system which makes it a great challenge uh, and, and so it's a different kind of pain yeah, the, the iron man the marathon is a long slow you know drawn out <laughs> pain whereas this one it's short and hard and it hits you really hard uh, and uh, I, that's why i like the challenge of, of the shorter distances getting that balance right so you talked earlier mike about you know working with beginners and new people coming in how do you answer someone who says well, no matter where it's at, if you're at a party or talking to someone about what you do, but how do you answer them saying, I can't run? I, I, I have bad knees. I have this. I have that. I can't run. How do you, because I hear that a lot too, and I, I don't believe any of them, but how do you answer that? So uh, until this year, it was hard, but now I've got, I've got a good answer. So <laughs> I, I crashed my bike early this year uh, and I smashed both my femur and uh, my hip. So it's, my leg is held together with titanium rods and my hips held together with rods. Uh, and six months after doing that, I completed the Ironman in Kona and managed to run a sub four hour marathon. So I, the, the doctors said that pushed back the boundaries of, you know, uh, orthopedic recovery. So from one sense, you know, I felt good, but it, it taught me a lot that I had to learn to walk first from that case. So I was in a wheelchair. I then mm -hmm. had to manually teach my muscles uh, to get the proprioception back so they could fire automatically. So I had to teach myself to run from day one, from scratch. Uh, and so what I do to these people, I say, well, look, we can, you know, if you can walk, you can run. You can walk 100 meters, run 100 meters. Walk 100, run 100. That might be it. So on day one, that's as far as you go. And then incrementally, uh, and we all hear of the 10% rule, which is, is good and bad, but you incrementally add on a little bit to the distance. But then you don't just do the running. You, you have to build up, for example, if, if you have a, a, a car uh, and the chassis of the car is weak and the engine becomes strong, the, the car's going to break down. So the same with running. You need to go to the gym a little bit and you might not like it, but you've got to build up some core muscles to build up the, the leg muscles. Running doesn't build up many muscles. Uh, that's the problem with it. Uh, uh, when you race, race pace, you, you don't use a lot of muscles, but you need to build up those leg muscles in the strength. So I get people to go to the gym and give them a very simple workout in the gym. I get them to run, walk, uh, and then I get them to do drills to, to fire and use to, to activating the muscles. Uh, and, and I went through that same routine myself. I went to the gym i did the drills and i started on a hill because there's less stress on the body going uphill doing the drills uh, and i did run walks uh, and, and bit by bit i progressed and, and that's how i do it with with runners and, and anyone can run i i believe if you put the time in and then consistent over time 
Well, Mike, I, I going back to your accident, you know, when that happened and following you and your progression uh, the entire time, I was amazed at, at how fast you did come back. So congratulations on that. And, and you know, we're, we're, we're in a world, especially triathlon, with people riding bikes and they get injured and so many, you know, may have a crash and, and following them back. But uh, the, the foundation is there, so people do get back quickly. And, and I was glad to see you do that. Thank you very what, much. What the... What, what when someone's starting to run, Mike? What what do you what do you advise them as what their number one goal should be? The, the number one goal is to have fun. For me, uh, always to have fun. It's a hobby, uh, and if we're not having fun, we're not going to do it. So they they need to get a tie. So the overriding thing with everything I do is let's have fun. If you're not having fun, find a new sport. Maybe running's not for you in the, in, in the sense that you're not enjoying it. So you can run if you want to do it. Then you've got to be consistent. And, and we hear this a lot. If you can practice regularly over time, you will improve. Uh, when I mean over time, I've been running 50 years. So people look at me and say, well, you're quite good uh, and you're quite efficient. Well, it, it's taken a long time. Uh, and people expect... Just like putting on weight, you put on weight quickly and they go on a diet and expect to get thin or, or to lose that weight very quickly. It, it's a long, slow process. Learning to run is a long, slow process. So if you're in for the long haul, you can do well. So I try and get them used to this long, slow process and work out sessions so they can enjoy it uh, when, when they're doing their running. Uh, and then I, I like to look at form. Uh, I'm a big form runner uh, and working out how they can run efficiently so they don't get injured. Uh, I mean, the famous quote is there's two kinds of runners, those that are injured and those that are going to get injured. So, yes, <laughs> we, we tend to get injured a lot, but I, I'm trying to work out how to help them do more running so they get injured less. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's the, the premise. And then on top of this, we slowly add on a little bit and, and make it a little bit more scientific and a little bit more complex uh, as they, they go along the way. What, what, there's so many... As you know, over the years, I mean, so many experts out there, so many running gurus, so many people that have their own philosophy and take of, like you say, form and breathing and arm carry, no matter what it is. How how does one, especially when they're coming into the sport, Mike, how do they get through that? What what would you advise them to really listen to? So... I, I like to simplify. And I think part of the reason that you, you talk about my my coaching being successful, part of the reason it's become popular, I like to say these days, is I never use a big word when a little word will do. So they, they get confused. There's loads of words and terminologies thrown around and run in the don't run in the gray zone, do the 80-20, do zone two, zone five. Uh, and, and people, they hear these words, but they really don't know what they mean. So you've got to break it down to, to the, the simple elements that, that they need to do to get fit. And for me, the simple elements are long, you know, lots of easy running, which we, we technically call aerobic running to develop the mitochondria. And we can add on the big words, the capillary and the mitochondria development. But it, it's just easy running. Uh, and so lots of easy running. Some strength and conditioning. You've got to develop the muscles and the core in the body. So we need a little bit of that. We need a little bit of leg speed work. You need the legs to run a bit quicker. Uh, that's for technically neuromuscular development. Uh, and so I get them to do a few strides. Uh, and uh, then we need a little bit of speed work uh, at race pace if they're going to race. And that's about it. 
So I, I break it down and say, well, that's all we need to do. Let's look and see that we've got that in the training program at the, the right time. Uh, and then I'll split their programs into simple manageable blocks that we change periodically throughout the year. Uh, and so I, I try to keep it simple and explain it, it adhering to scientific principles, but in a simple way that people can understand. Yeah, because it, it, it can be confusing even someone like myself who's been around a while. I'll read something and go, what? does that mean and you know it uh you investigate and you go okay i now i know what it means but what do you think most runners do incorrectly mike whether they're a, a newbie or a, or a veteran oh that's uh they they run too much uh I think. yeah i knew yeah <laughs> well that's the that's the veterans you know I, I i you know i come from the day as you do too uh a couple of times hitting those hundred mile weeks. That was oh. insane. But it's just because it was just because it was crazy. Uh, and yeah, so we, we, we've been there. I, I, I can't deny it. In, in the 80s, I was hitting those big volumes uh, and I got I got injured uh, and I got injured because back in the 80s, I was taught to land on my heels and to roll forward. Uh, and uh, my knees went. I had a chondylalacia patella in the knees, uh, and it took a while to get over because operations weren't as as good back then. Uh, and so then that was when I started looking at, at running form. Uh, and so what they do wrong is often they overstride and they take the shock through their what we call the skeletal systems. They they the stride in front of them is a bit too long. They hit the ground with the heel, uh, and then the shock goes through. The, the ankle, the knee, the hips and the back, uh, and that can lead to injury. So I try to get people to run, as, as I say, more naturally. If you take your shoes and socks off and run, you'll naturally run correctly because if you get it wrong, it hurts. Uh, and that's, that's how I teach them to run. It doesn't mean I, I'm not a proponent to say you, you can't land at heel striking, you can't do this or that. I just try and get them to absorb the shock under, underneath their body through the muscular system, and that will reduce the, the chances of getting injured. Uh, and, and then running correctly to reduce the chance of injury is slightly different from running quickly. So I have to differentiate when people say, ah, yes, but I want to run fast. And I say, well, then you need to hit the, heart, the ground hard to go fast uh, because the more force you can generate, the quicker you're going. But that will increase your risk of injury. So I, I like to explain to people what they're doing and why they're doing it, and then we take the calculated risks as we're going along the way. But generally... Uh, if I can with beginner runners, I'll try and get them to ride. Even if they're not doing triathlon, I'll try to get them to ride a bike and to swim, to do some non-impact form of aerobic training to help with the fitness so that they don't need to do as much running. Hold on, everyone. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. Curad, the official medical supplier of Iron Man. Let Curad keep you strong so those strains and pains of training and you trying to find your finish line, go away. With their wraps, races, and tape, and especially their far-infrared kinesiology tape that'll keep you strong through all your training. Check out their products today on Amazon.com, at Walmart, and Ironman.com, and let Curad help you find your finish line. Well, we're talking with Mike Trees, Run NRG. He's uh, an expert many years uh, putting that foot to the ground. But Mike, let's, let's now dive in talking running and our beloved triathletes yes. <laughs> and, and how important it is. And, you know, you hear all the time, and I've heard it in the sport, you know, like that swim and bike, get that done, stay strong for that, and the run will come because you can run, walk. And I always thought that, that, that teaching or philosophy, you know, what are you doing? It's three disciplines here. So uh, talk to me a little bit about, how important it is 
to have that strength in the run of a triathlon, no matter the distance? So back in, in the day, uh, duathlon and, uh, and, uh, and in triathlon, I was possibly one of the fastest runners in the sport. I, I wasn't the world's best because my swim wasn't as good. But I, I, I think I nailed it quite well to get off the bike and run. But to get off the bike and run well, you need to be a strong cyclist. And this is the, the problem that good runners tend to struggle on the run because their legs aren't strong enough off the bike. So you need to get the, the cycling strong first. Uh, and, and then the, the running, it, it's about you can get you're getting the aerobic fitness off the bike and through the swim. So actually a triathlete can cut down on some of that easy aerobic running that uh, triathletes do. And, and if you're doing Olympic distance stuff, you can focus on, on the leg speed work more. Uh, Ironman people, it, uh, they, they need to put the distance in their, their legs. But you can still use in training the, the cycling to get some extra distance uh, and then do shorter runs off the bike. If you've done a four-hour bike, you don't then need to do uh, a, a two-hour run off the bike. A half-an-hour run will suffice. So you can mix it up quite a lot. Uh, but But there's no getting away from it. If you're going to run an Ironman, you're going to run a marathon, you need to put some 30K or 20-mile runs in there uh, at some point in the training. So it's it's just intelligently building up that schedule uh, that, that you get the, the right components in to hit the, the race distance that you're going for. So is uh, with, with the running kilometers, run, running miles that people believe they should log when they're training for say a 70.3 or an Ironman is that something they need to kind of throw by the wayside and and really go on anaerobic or aerobic threshold and all that good stuff I mean because people get caught up with miles don't they Mike yeah so the, the, you've hit a, this is a very good question and it's it's one of my pet, not pet it's one of my pet subjects. I, I never log miles. So I coach people and they say, well, really? Wait, wait, you, wait. You never, all the years you've been running, you never log miles? I uh, know. No. Well, let's go back. When I was doing my 100 mile a weeks, I logged miles <laughs> religiously, but I ended yeah. up just putting junk miles in because I wanted to hit the 100 yeah. miles. It, it became the the aim. Uh, and it was, and it, it was, Something you pick up along the way, but it shouldn't be the goal to run 100 miles a week. It should be the goal to put a program together that meets the needs of an, as a coach, to meet the needs of the athlete to get where they need to be. Uh, and I believe that triathletes need to log time. So if, if I, and, and my example I use to begin is getting in the sport. If I run, if I swim five kilometers in a, in a day, that's a heck of a workout and I, <laughs> I, I'm beaten. If, if I run five kilometers, that could be quite tough if it's a 5K race, but it could also be very easy. Now, if I cycle five kilometers, that's a waste of time. I've done nothing. So we can't compare distances across the sports. Since we're training for three, three disciplines, the only thing we can really compare is time across the sports, how much time we're doing in each discipline and how hard the heart is working. So I like to look at heart rate or perceived effort over time and, and the time they're training at and, and hit certain, we, we like to call them zones at the moment, uh, you know, zone one, zone two, but right. I, I like to, to work in, in certain areas. So we, we get a, a, a zone where it's an aerobic zone or we might need to do some anaerobic work. We might need to be in some power work. Uh, and so I, I, I work on heart rates uh, and time. Uh, and and that's I think, is much, much better. Or power, if we're on the bike and, and, and it's coming in running as well, power, I'll work on power as well. Uh, and, and I'll work in time, in drills, in, in power, at high cadence on the bike uh, and, and time in, in the different zones, uh, speed work that we're running at. 
Uh, and if people log, I mean, our garments or whatever you use, your, your right. Sunto, your Polar, you know, your Chorus, they, they all log the distance. So if you want to look at the distance at the end of the week, that's fine. But only look at the end of a week uh, out of curiosity just to see where you're at, not, not as a target. You know, at so many, uh, as you know, because you're in the coaching world and you have a lot of those athletes uh, under your tutelage, we're in the off season right now. But mm. so many triathletes have their year planned out. They have to because of travel and all that good stuff. You know, what what Olympic distance they're doing, what 70.3, what Ironman they're doing. What, what importance right now during the off season for those events does running have to them? I mean, should they be logging that time should they be working on form what should they be doing right now so i i like to call the off well for me i i call the off season the the two weeks or the one month after the race is finished so your your, your last race of the the year you take uh, an off season which people also get wrong an off season again comes back to i'll take three or four days where i do nothing but then i'll start moving so they think oh off season a month i'll do nothing well no no don't don't do nothing please don't just sit down on your bum get get out and move but don't really log it it's not structured so get out in the mountains and walk or, or ski a little bit do something different from normal if you if you ride a road bike get on a mountain bike uh, if, if you like sailing, it's a chance to look at your sailing. I'm, I'm coming up with other things. You might want to row. Uh, you might just like taking the dog for a walk. But unstructured, informal movements and, and different movement patterns than you're used to doing. Uh, because we, as, as triathletes, we, we get certain patterns, always swimming the same way, always cycling the same way, always running. So let's get out and move in different patterns. You know, CrossFit's a, a, a great sport. It's got a bad rap from some people, but it, it, it's moving the body in functional movements that we do for real life. And so that's an off-season. And that could be uh, up to a month, depending on, on how you structure. If you, if you work a year's plan, I'd give you a month off-season. Uh, but probably only you know, three, four, five days of, of total rest. Then I would go into what I call base training. So it's, for many people, they call this the off-season because they're not racing. But it, I, I like to look at it as, as base training where you're, you're building an aerobic base. Mm -hmm. uh, and the aerobic base is the key to everything. The bigger we can get our aerobic engine, the better we go. It, this is what people call the mitochondria development, which are the, the powerhouse of the cells. They create the, the energy that the cells use. And the more aerobic training we can do, the better our mitochondria development becomes. Uh, the more dense they become, the more we create. Uh, and, and also the capillary development, and that the capillaries get the, the oxygen to the muscles. So it, it's great to do this work uh, in the non-racing season. Uh, and Long, slow, easy training is great for that. Uh, and if you're looking at elite athletes, you get a more structured program. But for many people, just get out uh, and do long, easy stuff, easy training, and that'll develop it. I, I like to do strength and conditioning, the, the non-racing. You'll you get tired. The muscles will fatigue. So it's good not to be racing at that point when you introduce a strength program because you're going to have tight, you know, it's, it's what people say, oh, I want the six pack. Well, it, it's not really developing a six pack, <laughs> but often, you know, that's what people think of it. But you're developing the muscles that you need to hold the body together better so you can work more efficiently for longer when you run. Uh, and then I also give them a little bit of leg speed work. Uh, I mentioned this earlier in the thing. I like to get people just doing easy strides with a very 
gentle jog back to the start and then stride again. Just no more than 10 seconds because it doesn't really fatigue you. It doesn't build up lactate. It, it doesn't have any negatives, but it helps what we call the neuromuscular development, get the messages from the feet to the brain so you land better. You helps helps with efficiency and become more efficient. And then once in a while, just so we don't forget the pain of racing, I'll get them to go out and do a, a 5K run or, or something of that description. Uh, park runs are becoming popular around the world. And I think once in a while, even in winter, we need to get out and just do something a little bit hard so we don't forget. And that's four, four simple elements. Uh, and that's what I'll get them to do in the off-season. Well, I, I love that, Mike, your, your, your philosophy of... I'm going to remind them of the pain of racing. Let's get them into a five into a five k. Yeah. I I love that. Oh good goodness! So hey, you know, someone say someone's got a race in June. Uh, you know, this time of year is great for core strength too. I had an athlete come up to me. Uh, I forget what race it was this year. It was a it was in July or August. Could have been Lake Placid, and uh, I I knew him and he he PR'd. Yeah, Mike, I go, why do you think that happened? I, you know, I was making conversation. Oh, I did a couple of Spartan races in the early part of the year, and I got so much stronger. And then he said, well, because I didn't want to be a slob in a, in a Spartan race, you know, the obstacle race, so I got into the gym. Well, that made him strong. And I go, well, it made you stronger for Spartan because that's what you keyed on, but it also made him stronger for his Ironman race, which he PR'd in. Do you see that? Because you talked about cross-training as something that really helps. Oh, I've actually started CrossFit this year. Uh, and uh, I've been doing weight training for a while. Uh, and and as we get older, we I'll, I'll take a little bit of science, that from the age of 40, generally, our, our human hormone, you know, uh, it, it, it trades off. Basically, pretty simply, we lose about 1% of our muscle mass a year if we don't do anything about it from the age of 40. But we can do something about it and we can get in the gym and, and build up the muscles and we can reverse the, the losing of our muscle mass. Uh, and so for many years, I've been weight training now. But I was getting a little bit bored with just going to the gym. I just don't find it motivating. But I've now got into CrossFit uh, and uh, I actually take private lessons as well to get the form right to make sure that I'm not just trying to hit heavier and heavier weights I'm doing it technically correct you know functionally correct so I'm not going to get injured but uh, I, I just love the fact that there's some aerobic stuff in there there's some anaerobic there's some heavy lifting there's some short it's just the variation it doesn't have to be right. crossfit there's a million one different ways for me I've, it, it hit a chord uh, but there's a million one ways of doing this functional strength work I, I love getting athletes who don't like going to the gym just to do cross-country running with me they'll come for a run and they'll say here's a branch we're going to do 10 pull-ups on this branch and run off uh, and we do this in the cross season okay we're going to do 10 push-ups we're going to do some burpees uh, and people get surprised initially thought i thought we we're going for a long easy run i said well it, it is a long easy run but it, it's got a bit of strength working because we need to get that strength in as well and after they get past the initial shock we have fun uh, and i then will will take people out and say okay everyone picks an exercise because you all pick an exercise you like doing. So the exercise you pick might, might be one that I hate. So we all get a variety of, of different exercises on a run. Uh, and I, I like to mix it up. But you hit the nail on the head when, when you said with his Spartan racing, he's working different muscle groups. Uh, and that's what's helping him. And I think another thing that I found specifically is uh, getting more technically. We, we sit down, you and I are sitting down here now. We're on our bums. 
uh, and our glutes are the biggest muscle in the body. It's also the laziest muscle in the body. And many of us, our glutes have switched off. So I see runners who are running just driving from the quads and the hamstrings and their glutes aren't working. So I like to get them in the gym to do exercises, to work their bum muscles, to get them stronger because that's what they need to use on the bike and that's what's going to help them run quicker as well. Uh, and so it, it's, it, it is super important to get that, that gym work in. And, and I'm a real advocate of, of gym work and working out that strength training for the particular needs of the athlete so that they're doing something that they enjoy doing uh, is, is the other thing. If you don't enjoy doing it, it's not going to last. It goes back to my thing. We've got to have fun. If you don't enjoy doing it, you're not going to do it for very long. And uh, you've got to be consistent over time. Yeah. And, and you know, <clears throat> I love that, Mike, taking them out for a run, making them do 10 burpees, you know, mixing mixing things up and throwing in that variety is what does make it fun. Uh, uh, that That's absolutely perfect. You know, injuries, you as a coach – that that has to be one of the toughest things that you have to deal with with your with your runners with your triathletes isn't it so as as a triathlete i've i've famously said you've got to be pretty badly injured not to be able to train so there's something we can do so i'll take it back to to my lesson i i broke uh i broke the leg i was in i was in traction for 2 weeks so i can't move uh, and i just said look i said the, the guys in rehab can you bring me some arm weights uh, and uh, we had this discussion and they initially after they got past the shock they bought me some dumbbells and I sat in bed doing different exercises with my arms and the dumbbells just to try and get the heart rate up so that I could keep a little bit of fitness going which helped when I got out of hospital so even in that dire situation I was able to do something so even when we're injured we're, we're usually able to do something you've got to be pretty badly injured not to be able to do anything so it's finding out what we can do to keep fit when we get injured but more than that it's how we can stop ourselves getting injured in the first place. So as a coach, it's talking to the athlete uh, and getting them to listen to their bodies. And I find that's the hardest thing. There's something mm. in our brains that, that think, I know it's niggling a little bit, but I can just get through this. I can just get through this. And we should be thinking, ah, that's a warning sign. Let me just take a week off running now when it's just a little niggle and it, I don't think there's anything serious. And let me just do a little bit more swimming or something else. Uh, but they tend to go quiet. Uh, and uh, I, I've picked up the signs now when people are getting those little niggles and, and we try and get in there earlier. But as I say, there's only two kinds of runners, those that have been injured and those that will get injured. So <laughs> my job is to pick out those niggles quicker and get onto a different form of training so that it, it doesn't get too bad. How, how do you uh, deal with older runners versus the younger runners? I mean, it's two different planes, two different dynamics and objectives. But what, what's the same about them both that you're able to cross over from a, you know, talking to an older runner to talking to a younger, younger runner? So there's, there's two things in that. Uh, one is it, running is a, is a one-way journey. It, and, and don't want to be sort of too fatalistic, but we, we start off as a child uh, and we grow through uh, and we hope we have a long and healthy lifestyle. So what you give a, a junior to do is going to be different from someone who's run 10 years and in their 20s. That's going to be different from what I give someone who's just starting running in their 40s or who's been running from you know 20 years and they're now 50 years old. So it's, it's a one-way journey and we have to vary what, what we give them. Uh, and then the other part of it is that if you're new to the sport, you might be Old chronologically, uh, for example, Mike, you and I are probably the same age, we're around, you know, in our 60s. Uh, and if someone comes to me then, then yes, chronologically, but they're, they're older. But they, it might be their joints are still 
fresh. They haven't well, not, haven't done mm. much exercise. They might have done a bit of swimming, uh, and they're still new as runners. So I can actually give them a lot more running than I could give myself, for example, because I've been running so long. So I have to be careful in how much running I do uh, because I've been running for so long. But if you're new to the sport, you can give people more. So you need to look at each individual runner in each case. But in, in essence, it's a one-way journey. I look at the age they're at uh, and, and give them a different training uh, routine based on their age and also how long they've been in the sport uh, that'll uh, develop it and then what the relative strengths are yes yeah 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 I, I it is amazing how many triathletes I'll bring to a finish line and they're in their 60s for their first Ironman yes and yes. they run an amazing marathon and I'm going wow that's that's quite then I look at the bio they started running when they were 54 yeah and I'm going well they got great joints <laughs> you know it, they, they haven't beaten them up all those years and and there's something to be said about that Oh, 100%. I mean, I, I'm getting beaten by guys now that they say, oh, no, I'm, I'm not as good as you, Mike. I said, you are. You're better than me. You've beaten me. He said, no, 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 no. I haven't got your background. I said, well, no, you're, you've just matured later. Uh, it's yeah. just that a lot of us that were racing when younger, we've, we've sort of not burnt out, but uh, well, in essence, there's a candle there and it's harder to, to keep pushing at that same level. Uh, and these people that come in later in life, they're more motivated, they get out, uh, yeah. and they've got this latent talent. So, yeah, it, it doesn't mean that just because you're starting late, you can't actually do very well in your age group uh, and, and achieve great things. Mike, why do you, why do you think uh, trail ultra running is growing so rapidly? Do you think that is like the, the, the Ironman of running or that, that next big goal? Because... Uh, I, I used to run trails, uh, you know, so much because it was easier on my body. But now they're running, you know, 60, 80, 100 K races through no man's land. Why do you think that's becoming more popular? It, it's, it's the desire to go further uh, and, and longer and do and achieve more. So we, we as kids, we come into sport, I think, uh, and we want to run faster and faster. Uh, and then many people realize, well, actually, I can't be the fastest runner out there. But I can. I, I want to achieve something, and I think distance has become a, a way that people like to measure their success. So they say, "Well, I can't be the fastest marathon runner, and, and anyone can do a marathon." I know that sounds right because not everyone can do a marathon. It, it takes hard work to achieve a marathon. But once they've got done a marathon, they want to move on to the next level. So uh, with with Ironman, it's then the ultras uh, and the longer distance, and so they then do longer distance running, uh, and it. I think it's easier organizing longer distance in, in the countryside than in cities because less road closures. Right. It's also a heck of a lot more fun. I mean, I, I hate running on the roads. You give me a trail and, and I just love to be out there all day. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not counting the distance. I'm just looking at the scenery and just thinking, oh, just get up that hill. I can have a little rest on the other side and enjoy the view and, and move on. And so I think it's just a great environment to be in and people enjoy it. Uh, and also that just desire to, to, to push themselves a little bit more and achieve a little bit more. Uh, and because the volume of runners is going up and up all the time, more and more will gradually progress. If the pyramid's big enough at the base, the height will go higher. And so there's more people feeding into the sport to do these ultras. Uh, and it's great for the sport. Uh, and and I, ultra I do running too. and distance running is, is fantastic. You know, it's, uh, you talk about the road and running on the road, and it's just so hard on the body. And that's why I went to trail. But the other thing is for triathletes, I think it's fantastic that in the off season they can run a – you know, 35, 30, 40, 50 mile 
uh, trail run. Mm. That's their marathon training for the Ironman. You think that works? Yes. Oh, definitely. In, in the off season, uh, as we call it, the, the non-race season, keep moving. Anything works. Uh, it's just being consistent over time and building up that aerobic engine. And trail running is great because you're, you're not on the flat. You're going up and yeah. down. Uh, and hill training is fantastic. I mean, Arthur Lydiard in the 60s, again, a Kiwi, we'd come back to New Zealand again, yeah, yeah. one of the best running coaches ever been. He would get his guys on sand dunes in the hills. Uh, and this is functional strength training. So you can go to the gym and you can lift weights or you could just run up a hill. <laughs> it's going to give you pretty much... Uh, a very similar thing, but the fact is running up a hill with, and, and they're going to be carrying water and extra weights on them. So they've got their, their weight training there or their resistance training uh, going up the hill, but it's functional, which is, is natural. They're working the muscles they're going to work when they're racing. So it, it's great uh, development. And they're not logging the, the times per se because they're not on the road thinking, right. oh, that was a, a seven minute K, that's slower than I need to be going. You, you can't really work out the time and, and the distance per se in the mountains because it's so it, it's so tricky and, and it, it varies. But you, sorry, not the time, but you can work out the time you're out there and just enjoy being out, working the heart and lungs uh, for time. And, and I, yeah. I always like to say that the heart doesn't know how far you've run. It just knows how hard it's working and for how long. Uh, and that's why trail running is great. Just get out there uh, and get the heart in the right zone naturally without thinking about it too much uh, for a long time uh, and you'll get fit. Mike, with your coaching business and so many uh, years of, of learning and, you know, we're learning every day. And, and uh, but how do you, what do you look for and how you choose other coaches that are, that you mentor or under your tutelage or uh, how do you, how do you look at those and how do you assess and how do you work with other coaches like that? So we, we, we're growing rapidly and, and taking on coaches. Uh, and mm -hmm. what we look for is a, a people's person. They don't have to be the fastest runner out there. Uh, in, in, in essence, being a, a good runner, doesn't, as we discussed earlier, doesn't make you a, a good coach. They need to be a good listener. They need to understand what the person they're coaching is really wants. Uh, and then they have to be able to put a simple structured plan together for that person. And what good coaches can do well is they can fit that plan into the athlete's lifestyle. So... I would say to someone, oh, swim Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Here's the plan. Uh, and then you find out actually all the local pools are shut on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. <laughs> so you, you've, you, you can't just throw any old plan together. You have to sit down and say, when do you work? Okay, uh, you're a student. So when are your exams? When, when are you not going to be able to trade? So June's out because you're going to be studying for exams. Let, let's give you an easy June. Uh, it, it, it might be that it's it's a, a mother, a single mother with a job. Okay, so you've got all these problems, but you, you do have a lunch break and you're prepared to sacrifice half an hour of your lunch break to run so we can get a regular pattern of doing some training at lunchtime. So it's sitting out and working out, for me, a, a lifestyle pattern and, and working with my coaches to make sure they understand that anything they build fits into a lifestyle pattern uh, stretches the athlete, but is a, real a realistic goal. Uh, and, and if they can get that, I think they can be good coaches. They also have to have a good scientific knowledge. You know, I mean, that's mm -hmm. taken for granted that they've got a sports science background and understand what they're talking about. But uh, I, I get frustrated with, with coaches that will use too many big words, as I like to say, uh, and they, they try to look clever. Uh, and don't try and look clever. We know you know the subject, but the people you're talking to don't know this subject. So 
Keep making it simple so they understand what you're getting across. And, and as they learn, you can introduce more technical terminology. Wow. Mike, on recovery with massage and things like uh, Normatec, uh, mm. compression boots or hyperice, mm. you know, the, yeah. the uh, massagers and things like that. Uh, are you a proponent of that? Uh, interestingly, uh, yes, I am, is the, the simple answer. Uh, and uh, my, my orthopedic consultant, this is an interesting story, Dr. Matt Brick, he was two times duathlon world champion. Uh, and he used to come to Japan and we would race for a BMW car uh, every year in Japan. And unfortunately, he, he beat me every year and he, he won this car many times. Uh, and then the first year that, that I, I won, they'd taken the car away. So <laughs> that was my first battle title. What, what, what'd you get? What'd you get instead I actually, of the car? Oh, actually, I... I uh, I got twenty thousand dollars, so it wasn't a. It, oh, it was a good that's payday. Not so bad. It wasn't yeah. so bad, but uh, <laughs> so I, I I did very well. I can't. But anyway, I co I've come to New Zealand. He's now my orthopedic consultant. So my rival in the the nineties, uh, good friend, uh, and then he's now my orthopedic consultant. But he lives by chance about two hundred meters from me, and he's building an, an ice bath. Uh, and oh, a, yeah. and a hot pool, and he's done all the research. So he's done all the hard work for me as a, as a, a, a doctor, orthopedic consultant. He knows his science, and he said, "Mike, we're going in this ice bath every week, uh, eleven minutes per week ice baths." And it it seems that the science is showing that it 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 could actually extend your life and stop and slow down the aging process with people. So ice baths, hot baths, massages uh, to flush out the system. It it. Incremental gains, as we say, you know, and, and it, it does help. Uh, and I think the, the new thinking now is is ice baths is possibly some of the best. Ice with hot and hot and cold treatment is some of the best to help uh, regenerate the, the muscles. Uh, yeah. So big into yeah, that. And, and for people who haven't yeah. got it, the, the things like the Normatec boots, they're fantastic. They're a game changer in terms of you can sit there after a race and, and mm -hmm. just help massage that you can't necessarily get to that massaging area yourself. You can't always afford to have a physio do that massage work for you. So they, 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 all, they all play a great part in, in my view. When one of your athletes does get injured, how do you help them seek help in their local area? You know, a lot of people just don't have contacts or the types of people they work with that can do that? Where, where do you send them? So I'm very, very lucky that I, I've created a, a global network now of, of physios and osteopaths uh, and massage specialists. My wife is actually a massage therapist and acupuncturist. She spent, mm. you know, university studying uh, acupuncture in, in Japan. So we, we've got a good network. So I'm lucky in the sense that I can send people to the right area. Uh, so when they come to me, but they've just got to start talking to other athletes. And I think word of mouth is, is good. There's, we have a big network uh, and there's lots of forums out there. And get on these forums and talk and ask for people in the area. And people, you soon get a good reputation of uh, people to work with. Uh, and it, it's super important to get in to see someone early. And, and so for example, on, my, for, on my, my Instagram page, I get lots of questions. I can't legally consult on injury because I'm not a doctor. I'm not right. qualified to talk about injury. So a good coach will always pass on the area of expertise they don't have. So I always get people to go and talk to a physio, introduce them to someone they can talk to. Uh, and that's the first protocol. But what people need to do is they need to take control of their own injury. They need to accept 
that these people they work with, they only work with them. They're not going to do the work for them. You still have to do the rehab program, the weightlifting, if it is, uh, and, and gentle massaging yourself or, or stretching as it may be or some dynamic movement, some yoga. So don't go to uh, uh, a consultant and expect them to fix you. Uh, an athlete still has to fix themselves, and that's what I'm big on, getting them to the right area, but getting them to do the work themselves to, to get over the injury. And, and not the final thing is learning from their mistakes so that we, we do make mistakes and trying not to make the same mistake twice. So I don't want them getting the same injuries over and over. We, we try and get over that one and move on. And, and talking to so many athletes, Mike, too, the other thing is don't get – don't get depressed about it. Don't knock yourself. You know, it happens to everybody. Like you say, it's injuries waiting to happen because people mentally get down on themselves and then it takes them even longer to come out of it, even when the injury is healed. Do you see that too? Oh, you've hit, you've hit the nail on the head with this one. So my, my wife is actually one of my biggest fans. And she said when I was lying there, I was in the hospital uh, and I, I was hoping to win Kona. That was my goal. And you, you don't know yeah. if you can. I wanted to be in the mix and think, I, I want to get in the podium. If, if everything's right, I might even win it. That was the dream. So we have the dream. Uh, and I smashed my leg. I'm on the table. Uh, and the doctor said, Kona's out. You know, everything's out this year. You've just got to learn how to walk again. Uh, and uh, my wife looked at and she, she was on a video call, you know, and, and the doctor's there and, and she looked and she said, are you unhappy? And I said, nope, I'm just going to do the best rehab I can. I'm going to change the mindset. Now the mindset is training for rehab. So I cut the races out and every day I look forward to my rehab and it was fun. I thought, what program can I do? I remember work, walking with the crutches. I was doing two lengths down the, uh, the ward. Okay, we'll do three. We'll do four today. Now can we do four with a little squat? Uh, can I do a few push-ups? How can I add progression in to add more? Uh, and I made a whole program and I enjoyed the rehab process. So it's, it's a mindset. If you focus on it and make that rehab the goal to get better and, and put the racing to one side, you can enjoy the whole recovery process. It's a different aspect of life. And you, you monitor it. So you say, well, yesterday or yesterday's a bad example. Three weeks ago, I was in a wheelchair. Now I'm on crutches. And then you look back again. Oh, I was in a wheelchair. I was on crutches. Now I'm walking with a limp. I was on a wheelchair, crutches, walking with a limp. Actually, now I can run with a bit of a limp. Uh, and then you can monitor that. And so monitor it so you can see the progress. And seeing the progress that you're making can get those happy hormones, as I say. So you start to see the positive things and not the negatives. So uh, it, it's a mind game. Uh, and it, it's working with the athletes to get their mind in the right place so they don't get depressed. Yeah, what they, they've got to realize, they, they create their own happy hormones. They just don't yeah. appear from somewhere. Yeah. But, <laughs> but gotta... it's a different story when you're a pro uh, and your money's coming in yeah. uh, and you're feeding a family. That, that's different. But when we're amateurs and we're, uh, and to be honest, I, I'm now coaching, you know, I'm not coaching professional runners uh, and, and athletes much. It, it's mostly, you know, the, the age group, the fun runners, and it's a hobby. So we can indulge ourselves and do it but but a professional who's watching their livelihood go down the drain it, it is a bit more stressful it's it's a much harder thing to do to to keep them motivated well mike uh, my last question on find your finish line is always the same it's called tri-table racing it comes out of the baja 1000 i've got friends that race <laughs> trophy trucks and everything through the 1000 and afterwards they sit around and it's called table racing they reminisce about the event or an event two weeks ago, whatever it may be. So why don't you try table race with us and reminisce, share a memory about an event, good or bad, that just pops into your head? Well, for me, it's it's got to be Kona this year. 
I, I don't believe that I am <clears throat> uh, the, the best Ironman athlete in the world, but uh, getting to the, the start line, it wasn't the finish. It was getting to the start line was my goal. I didn't believe I could finish it. Uh, and I got to the finish line and I've done many crazy things, but I think that was the hardest journey I've had to come from that to the finish line. Uh, and sitting here now, I still can't believe how I've done it. Uh, and that, that, yeah, reminiscing just, I had a focus uh, and the focus, I was able to put the pain out of my mind to finish, to get that finish line. Uh, and now my focus is, is lasting the next six months till I can get these rods out of my leg and, and start again. But, uh, that, that was the, the hardest thing I've done ever. Uh, and that's probably what I'm, I'm most proud. Even though I didn't get in the podium, I, they, they, as many people, and I realized, you know, as, as a racer who's tried to be elite all their lives, it's, it's different ways of winning. Uh, you know, getting to the finish line was the goal. Uh, and, and that to me was the victory in this race. And that, and yeah. you know what? That's a great philosophy. Dif there are different ways of winning. I got to remember yes. that one. I may, I may steal that one from you, Mike. <laughs> no, please do. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Mike Trees, it's been an honor having you oh, on your the honor's all mine. I'm, I mean, to be what? on Mike Riley's uh, podcast, <laughs> I'm, I'm honor's all mine. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that, and uh, thank you again for your time and all you do. Where can people find you and look you okay. up and follow you and all that good stuff? M mostly, uh, we're on uh, Instagram. We decided to own the Instagram platform. It's run. It's at run dot so very simple. Uh, and I, I post daily tips, mm -hmm. always for free, as many good tips as I can, in-depth tips to help people run uh, and, and help them learn how to run. And it, it's a run-based podcast, not a triathlon, not podcast. It's a run-based page, not a triathlon page. Uh, we have other athletes focusing on triathlon. Yeah, so no matter if you're a triathlete or you're going to run a rock and roll marathon, whatever it is, they got to come mm -hmm. to you. But, but triathletes have to run as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they don't think so, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you again, Mike Trees, no, for all you, you do. Me. Yeah, all you do for our sport. And uh, uh, I, I can't tell you how much of an honor to have you on. So thank you very much. Thank, thank you. You're welcome. And thank you to all of you for joining in again on Find Your Finish Line, presented by Activice, the official topical pain relief partner of Ironman, and Curad, the official medical supplier. So take care of yourselves out there. Have a great off-season, if you call it that. Uh, find us on Apple Podcasts and everywhere and send us a review. We'd love to hear it. And always remember, you're the cause of your own experiences, everybody. Keep those experiences positive, positive and they will get you to your finish line. Aloha.